Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. I will vindicate vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. The nations then will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And then notice here, verse 26 and 27, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And then also in the book of Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. And then from the Confession of Faith, chapter 10, of Effectual Calling, section 1. All those whom God hath predestinated unto life, and those only. He is pleased in his appointed and accepted time, effectually to call by his word and spirit, out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God, taking away their heart of stone and giving unto them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills and by his almighty power determining them to that which is good, and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. Yet so, as they come most freely, being made willing by His grace. Section 2. This effectual call is of God's free grace and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man, who is altogether passive therein, until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit, he is thereby enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered 
and conveyed in it. Section 3. Elect infants dying in infancy are regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit who worketh when and where and how he pleaseth. So also are all other elect persons who are incapable of being outwardly called by the ministry of the word. Section 4. Others not elected, although they may be called by the ministry of the word and may have some common operations of the Spirit, yet they never truly come unto Christ and therefore cannot be saved, much less can men not professing the Christian religion be saved in any other way whatsoever, be they never so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature and the laws of that religion they do profess and to assert and maintain that they may is very pernicious and to be detested. Amen. Well, we want to talk tonight about effectual calling from Ezekiel and from Romans here. And we first of all want to note here, what is the ultimate purpose? Well, the ultimate purpose is to glorify God. It is the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the scripture says is going to be the firstborn among many brethren. So in uh, Colossians chapter 1, we didn't look at that, but Colossians chapter 1, in verse 15, we are told that He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. And in Colossians 1.18, we are told that He is the head of the body, which is you, the church. And He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself might be come to have first place in everything. So that what we are going to look at today is how the Lord brings us to Christ and how, as we come to Christ, we are made like the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we are made like the Lord Jesus Christ, we glorify Christ and we glorify the Father who sent the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at, again, the passage in Ezekiel, You'll note here that it is God who is the one who calls us. It is certainly not, as section 2 notes here, it is not for anything that God foresees in man who is altogether passive therein. Notice here, if anything, we see that Israel had demerited any right to a covenant relationship with God. Why? Well, because God tells us that they often profaned the name of God among the nations. That is because they were living in a way, boys and girls, that was not pleasing to God. They were living like the other nations around them. They were sinning against God. They were not loving God. They were not believing in God. And therefore, they were not glorifying the Lord. And so we see that God indeed punished them by sending them out of the land. He uh, put them among the pagan nations so that they would learn that it is better in their father's house than to be among 
these foreign nations and foreign gods. But notice here that the Lord shows grace. And he says here in verse 22, the Lord says to his people through Ezekiel, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act. We need to remember that. It is not chiefly for your sake and my sake that we are saved. It is chiefly for the sake of God and his glory and the glory of his grace that God saves us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for what? My holy name, which you have profaned among the nations wherein you went. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, says the Lord, which has been profaned among the nations. And so how is he going to do that? Well, he tells us in verse 24, he says, I'm going to take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and I am going to bring you into your own land. And then he says, I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you. I'm, you're going to be cleansed from your filthiness and from your idolatry. And then verse 26, here's when I read this, I wanted you to really focus on 26 and 27. He said, moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. So what is the Lord telling his people here? He is telling them that in his grace and mercy, he's going to bring them back into the land but he is going to do a spiritual work here, not just a providential work of bringing them back physically, but he is going to bring them back spiritually, covenantally to himself. How will he do that? He is, to use the language of the confession here, he is going to effectually call them. He is, by his spirit, going to work in their life, and he is going to remove negatively the heart of stone, take this heart of stone out, and give them a heart of flesh. Now that is a picture, boys and girls, of regeneration. That is, that, that, that is a picture, if you will, of what God does spiritually to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Because we are alienated from God by nature, we all have hearts of stone, yet in God's grace, through the effectual call of the Spirit, He takes out that stony heart, and puts in a living heart, a, a beating heart. And verse 27, he says, I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will observe my ordinances. Now, this is why Jesus, of course, in his public ministry said that you must be born again, because that which is of flesh is flesh. That which is of human nature is of human nature, and it is of no profit to God. And so the only way that one could truly be brought into the kingdom of God is to be born from above, to be born again. Nicodemus had trouble understanding this. He said, you know, I'm an old man. What do I have to do? Do I go back in my mother's womb? No, you are born of the spirit. That which is the flesh is flesh. And, and a natural birth does not produce a new nature within us. It is only the Holy Spirit who can call us uh, to himself and give us that which we need to believe. Now, in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, we see here verse 29, similar 
doctrine to what Ezekiel was saying. In verse 29, it reads this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. Now notice here that your confession takes up that subject in uh, section 1. What is the first line of section 1? It says, All those whom God hath predestinated unto life, and those only he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time, effectually to call. So even before we get to the effectual regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the confession steps back one doctrine and says, the reason you were effectually called by the Spirit of the Lord was because even before you existed, God had predetermined you would be one of his in Jesus Christ. That the Father, the Son, the Spirit of God had determined even before creation itself that you would be chosen in Christ Jesus to be holy and blameless and that you would be his people. So that it is the Lord, salvation is all of the Lord. It is all of his grace. And so uh, the confession points that out. Before we get to effectual calling, we are reminded here by the Westminster Divines that that calling of the Spirit is not because God sees something in you. Look at section 2. This is, this is brought forth. The effectual call is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man. Now notice here that the Apostle Paul says the same thing. If you look at verse 29, he says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that God foreknew you, that is, and not in just a, an intellectual way, but it's a way of speaking of love. God already loved you, not because you were anything you, he saw within you that made you lovely. And he didn't see it in others, and so he didn't choose them, but he chose you. But rather, not from anything at all foreseen in man who is altogether passive therein, we are told, but simply by the grace of God. And Paul says the same thing here. He says, of those whom he predestined, uh, excuse me, let me back up. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be firstborn among many brethren. I emphasize that because we do have Arminian friends who believe that they say, oh, I know that election's in the Bible. I know that it says God has chosen us. But I believe that the basis of that choice was that he would see that I would choose him. And so that they root predestination in this idea of God's omniscience. That's not what Paul means when he says here, whom he foreknew. What, when Paul says he foreknew, he's, he's not saying that he saw something in you and therefore chose you on the basis because you would choose Jesus. No, he foreloved you. He knew you like Adam knew Eve. He loved her. God loved you even before you were created. And on that basis alone, he chose you. It's not because of the omniscience of God seeing what you would do in history with Jesus Christ. That is to make you, uh, that is to make man the, the, the center of salvation. It is all of God. The Westminster Divines 
are clear on this here. So that salvation by Jesus Christ, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> is um, beginning and end. He is the Alpha and the Omega of, of our salvation. Now, the Westminster Divines do note here that when you come to Christ, it's not against your will. <laughs> you truly desire Jesus. Uh, when you have the Spirit work in your life and give you that heart of flesh and those eyes to see and the ears to hear the gospel, you really do love Christ. Your heart goes out to Christ. You see the glory of Christ, the cross of Christ, the, the miracles of Christ, the, the words of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the deity of Christ, the full and perfect humanity of Christ. And Christ becomes altogether lovely uh, to your soul. And you realize this is, this is my love. Uh, whom I love, let us run together. Uh, he is the one who is uh, my first love. And so as the gospel is preached and your heart is changed by the Spirit of God, you willingly go to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not against you. You're not really brought, you know, I know people say it, I was brought to Christ kicking and screaming, and I know what they mean by that. Uh, but really, um, they, they came to Christ because they wanted to come to Christ, okay? We all come to Christ because we want Christ. And we want Christ because God has brought us to himself. Now, it may have been prior to the effectual call that, yes, that they didn't, you know, Paul was trying to persecute the church on the road to Damascus. I mean, I mean they're, talk about a man who didn't want to come to Christ. Uh, Saul was breathing out threats of murder and violence against the church. But yet, when Christ appeared in his glory to him, and he said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. You know, Paul's life was forever changed at that moment. And he waited upon the Lord for three days before he received his sight and was baptized and began his ministry. So, um, our salvation is of the Lord. It is because God loved you before you existed. He has chosen you before the foundation of the earth. And that thereby then he sends the Spirit in, into your heart. And I want to talk a little bit um, about <coughs> this issue of the, of the call and, and of predestination. Um. We were predestined to be like Jesus Christ in his glory. Um, it is easy to get caught up in the debate over predestination and election and lose sight of the real argument here. The argument here in the greater context of Romans 8 is that Paul is asserting that everything is working uh, for good for all believers in Jesus Christ. We are loved of God and we are called according to his purpose. And Paul makes this confident promise to believers. He can do this because God has loved us in Christ. And there everything, therefore everything that falls out by way of God's providence is serving the ultimate purpose and end to which we were created, namely to glorify God and that we should be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now many people want to rebel, many of our neighbors don't like predestination. 
But really, it is really supposed to be something that is comforting to you. It is supposed to bring you assurance. And so in some ways, if you struggle with assurance of salvation, the doctrine of predestination is not to shake you further of that assurance and so that you find yourself in a spiral trying to figure out whether you're the elect or not, but you are to go to Jesus Christ all the more because uh, you are predestined. You are chosen by God here. Now let's talk here then, having talked about the predestination and the foreknowledge, let's talk about the effectual calling more narrowly here. Effectual calling. Now what is effectual calling? Effectual calling is the work and the application of the Holy Spirit to your life. First, it is the work of the Spirit in the life of the sinner so that new life will be wrought within them. When God does a work in your life or in a believer's life, in the beginning, he creates a new nature within you. He creates a new readiness to believe, a new desire to believe. Now, for some of you, this happened in your infancy. If you're a covenant child and you were baptized and brought visibly into the church, we, you know, and you can't really remember a day where you didn't know and love Christ. Well, it may very well be because the Spirit of the Lord had already given you that new nature before your earliest memories. And so you were raised on the gospel and you were already loving the gospel. If you look here at section 3, you'll note here that the Westminster divines say, as a comfort to those who lose children, uh, either prenatally or postnatally, it says here, elect infants dying in infancy are regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit who worketh when and where and how he pleaseth. That is, effectual call brings comfort to parents who have lost young children because the nature, well, a lot of questions people have is, well, if, the, if ordinarily we come to faith by the Spirit through the Word, but my child was too young to know the Word, are they lost? And the Westminster Divines are saying, no, that all elect infants dying in infancy are wrought upon by the Spirit of God that they would be believers even though they didn't have the, if you will, the maturity to give expression to that faith in Jesus Christ. So that um, if you want to look for this in the Bible, you, you could see it with David. David and Bathsheba lose their child. God takes the child. And yet... Um, David, he gets up and washes himself and he starts eating. He asks for dinner. And, and they say, what's going on here? I mean, while the child was sick, you were fasting and now you want something to eat. And he said, well, I cannot, you know, the child cannot come to me, but I will go to the child. And therefore, David was expressing this confidence that the child was elect, that the child had been effectually called by the Spirit of God. And thereby was with the Lord. Now that the child had died, the soul of the child was present with the Lord and David would see that child in glory. Um, we're to believers find resolve in the face of tragedy. 
I think often is in the sovereignty of God and that the decrees of God, all things work to our conformity to Christ. And so uh, we should not despise the sovereign predetermined plan of God for us in such suffering, even though it will be hard. But we have to remember that even Jesus Christ, who we are being conformed unto his likeness, was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus went through many tribulations, and we will go through many tribulations. But the promise here that we find in section 8, Romans 8 from 28 to 30, is that God is yet working all of these things together. Now, um, we see in the effectual call, the effectual call is the spiritual work of the Holy Spirit on the sinner. Now, this is to be distinguished from what we would call the general call. The general call is really what I'm doing here. The general call is the work of the preacher or the teacher or the Sunday school um, leader. That, that as the Bible is being read or taught, that would be the work of the general call. Um, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 is an example of this, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So that was a general call to the entire audience to whom Jesus was speaking here. He was, he was seeking to call everyone to faith and repentance in him. Now, the, the church should do that. I do think this is something that we need to be careful in the Reformed tradition, is that we maintain the free offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some Reformed denominations, I think, have moved too far into really a what we might call a hyper-Calvinism, where the free offer of the gospel is no longer there. And I think we have to maintain a free offer to everyone. And I, I've remembered hearing this years ago from Joel Beakey, and I've never forgotten it, and I've repeated it here a few times. And that is, Joel Beakey says that that God, in that general call, is, keep this in mind, you don't want to run ahead here, of the, the, that God is as sincerely calling the reprobate to faith and repentance in the general call as he is the elect. That is, God is sincerely pleading with sinners through the ministers of the gospel to repent and believe the gospel. Now, who will respond in faith? It will be those that God effectually calls by his spirit. Some have pointed to Lazarus as an example of this. Lazarus being a, maybe a type of the effectual call that Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, remember boys and girls, was, was dead. He had been buried in the, in the tomb for several days. And Jesus comes purposefully late and raises him from the dead as a miracle. That's a picture spiritually of what the Lord does in our life. He calls us by name and raises our soul to life. Uh, look at uh, John chapter 6 with me in your Bible. John chapter 6, and show you a few um, supporting 
passages of effectual call. I think we touched on John 6 last week. Won't hurt us to look at this again. John 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, Jesus here is speaking about the effectual call. Jesus, in Matthew that I read to you earlier, was generally calling everybody, but Jesus now theologically is saying that those who hear that general call and respond truly, savingly, and favorably to Christ will be those whom the Father draws. If you look at uh, verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. That is, everybody who is worked upon by the Spirit of God, sent by the Father, will come to Christ. We get verse 65, same chapter. John 6, verse 65. And he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. Paul says that he determined, determined to know nothing among the people except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He says, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Now look at verse 4. He said, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, Meaning he didn't rely on, you know, the, the uh, oratory chiefly to, to win people. But what? In demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God. He, he said he preached the truth and trusted that the Holy Spirit would be the one who would draw people to Christ. That is, now, that's not to say that we shouldn't work on our homiletics. <laughs> um, you know, as one RTS professor put it, he said, boys, it's not a sin to be interesting. <laughs> and, and he's right. But we don't rely on that uh, to draw people to Christ. We, we preach the word faithfully and we trust that the Holy Spirit will be the one who uh, brings people to Christ so that your foundation is really wrought by the Spirit and is on Christ himself. Um, look at, uh, oh, don't turn there, I'll just read it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. <clears throat> the apostle Paul tells the church at Thessalonica, he said, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what is he saying there? He's saying as he preached, they came to faith in Jesus Christ. How does he know they came to faith in Christ? He said, they put away their, he said, you put away your idols. You turned away from idolatry. You turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. You began calling upon his name. He said, how did you do this? He said, it didn't happen simply by my words. But it happened as I preached. The Holy Spirit used the scriptures to bring you to a full conviction of the Lord Jesus Christ. God calls us even by name. Even as Jesus called Lazarus, you have been called by name so that you hear and you believe and that therefore nobody can boast. Let me just uh, close by showing us here just, this is sometimes referred to as the golden chain of salvation. And in verse 29, whom he foreknew, he predestined 
to become conformed to the image of his son, that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And then in verse 30, it says, whom he predestined, he effectually called. And then where do we go from there? Those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So that's why your next chapter in the Westminster Confession of Faith, after effectual call, is justification. Then it moves on to adoption, sanctification, and etc. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight's lesson and thank you for your spirit who calls us and teaches us, gives us faith in your son, helps us, um, and we bless you, Lord, that salvation is not on us, but on you. And we thank you for all that we've heard tonight. Pray that we treasure it up in our hearts and believe upon it for Christ's sake. Amen. We're going to close tonight by singing 433 in the hymnal. So if you turn there, let's turn to 433. And we'll stand as we close tonight. 433 in the hymnal. Amazing Grace.
the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen.